popolitikin.com. All right. Welcome back to popolitikin.com. Your home for self-help meets hip-hop. Right now we're live on YouTube, but check me out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. One, two, one, two, I'm in place to be. The words work. How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. I'm good. How's everything with you? I'm good, man. Let me change your name on here, and then we'll get started. I'm good. So I learned something new today. I was doing my research because, you know, I try to, uh, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I try to make sure I research the guests before I get started. So yeah. I learned if you, uh, did you get your name from, I saw an 18th, 17th century poet named William Wordsworth. So did you get your name from him? Nah, I actually got it from the cartoon Heathcliff. I mean, there was oh. a, cat, a cat named Wordsworth on there that used to always rhyme at headphones. So, so they probably got it from that. That's where they got it from, right. So I find that out later. Because, you know, in college and so on, I'm a bit just like, yo, that's me right there. I always got headphones on. I always rhyming. And the name has some weight to it. Then once I go to college, then I find out about this poet. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's how all that works. Yeah, because even, uh, man, me, me and my wife were actually talking about this the other day. We was watching the cartoons and shit. And all of a sudden, I like Garfield. And then she was like, man, I never liked Garfield. Garfield was lazy as fuck, but he flipped <laughs> out that life. He flipped right. out in the streets. <laughs> yeah, for real. And that's, that's you know, watching that, it just it just made sense. It just made sense. Like, it's almost like the dude Wordsworth in that group was, like, almost basically a hip-hop dude. He rapping, rhyming, and talking. You know, he got headphones on. So it just it just made sense for me at that moment. Yeah, and that's why I'm kind of like I'm, I'm big on like so I I don't watch a lot of uh, like movies or television, but everything in them like if I watch a movie, I know that everything in that movie is for a reason. Because yeah. even like that words were that's why they probably name. And then especially if he's rapping under there, he's a poet. So I it's like they put everything in there for a reason. There ain't nothing that they do that don't be a reason behind it. Right, right. A lot of subliminal messages and things like that you can pick up. All right. And then you from Brooklyn? Yeah, I'm from Brooklyn, man. I'm from Kensington, Brooklyn. And uh, yeah, man, that's where I'm from originally. And, you know, I'm in Florida now. And yeah, I've been here for some years. So it's, it's been great, though. It's been great. How you liking Florida? You know, when I first got here, I was like in a culture shock with it because it was so fast paced in New York. And then um, I just kind of like, once I settled in, I started actually looking for things to get into. That's when I realized it has a lot of similarities as far as this. If you want to go to open mics, you find open mics. You want to go to a studio, people got studios. So you just got to kind of like not mind moving and changing your location and then go look for look for what you're into. I just had uh, I had JT Money on a little while ago. So you, what wow. about you? You big on like the, the Luke, Poison Clan? Um, music JT, like Money was, JT Money was on Lyricist Lounge album volume two. Okay. So I know about JT Money, but of course I knew about him before that, but he was on that uh, Lyricist Lounge volume two. Yeah, let's just go on get into it, man. Actually, uh, a little while ago, I had uh, Thurston Howell. I interviewed him a little while ago. I think it was last year. Yeah. So he was, he was talking about, uh, you know, how, how he started from his point of view. But I would like to know from your point of view how Lyricist Lounge started. Well, the the actual Lyricist Lounge was just an event. Danny Castro and Anthony Marshall, they started holding events around New York City. 
And it started off and I believe in like one little small uh, venue that they had. And then it became so popular. They was giving unsigned artists a place to shine. So the Lyricist Lounge actually would be in various places throughout New York. You get a flyer and you're like, the Lyricist Lounge is downtown Friday. The Lyricist mm-hmm. Lounge is midtown Friday. You know, so it, that was a, a function that just bounced around town. And then years later, it wasn't until like recording the Lyricist Lounge album when we started doing like, you know, the freestyling and everything during the recording of that album. That's kind of how it took birth. That At that time, it took birth to become a TV show. Oh, so everything, so the TV show was kind of like the the finish line of it. Yeah, it was It was just really like how the TV show came about was during the recording of the first album, we were doing these interludes. So if you have the first album, there's some interludes on there with people rapping. So at that same day in the studio, you had about 30 rappers there all at one time, you know? So there's no way you got 30 rappers in a room and nobody's rapping. You know what I'm saying? Because it's such a competitive thing. So at that time, uh, my boys, Wise Guy and Gaston, always had beats and, and um, everybody knows them around New York. I have a radio, always had a radio and a camera. They've, I mean, since then. So at that time, I was just like, well, when this camera come to me and the beat come to me, I'm going to do something different. So I decided to do uh, a tutorial teaching people how to rhyme at home. Hmm. And that, that tape, and then, and then everybody in the room actually started asking me questions in rhyme. I was answering them in rhyme. Thurston was there, a whole bunch of people was there. And then that tape circulated and became the professor. So then a guy by the name of Jacob Septimus one day hits me like, yo, I seen this professor tape, man. This could be a TV show. And I was like, I went to his crib. He's like, yo, I'm telling you, man, it's a TV show. You know, I'm mad young at that time. I didn't even know you could skip skip getting a record deal. I didn't have a record deal. I never really seen somebody skip the record deal, then get on TV. Right. You know, so he's telling me that I left this house like, all right, man, whatever. Let me know when you think it's going to be a TV show or something like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, lo, lo and behold, like maybe days or weeks later, we got uh, audition for a pilot. So we had to create, create basically what the show would be like in a matter of like a week or so. And then we flew out. On a Friday, we performed it. On Monday, we got a pilot, and the rest is pretty much like they say history. And we had a TV show, two seasons. And I would say, how would you describe uh, Lyricist Lounge to the younger generation that might have missed it? It was an open mic showcase um, at times, but it was actually a showcase for unsigned artists. So we automatically have these unsigned artists. But what was smart about what the Lyricist Lounge did is, they would have unsigned artists, but then the host would be somebody known. So now you come into the venue, like, oh, all right. So, uh, you know, Q-Tip is hosting or whoever else they had hosting. And you're like, all right, so this must be a legit event. Yeah, because you like co-signing them, basically. All right, it's a co-sign to some people he never heard or she never heard. It depends who's hosting. So that's how it would. And then it would just be different places all around the city. And that's and that's how uh, most of us met. It's kind of like being in those venues and then outside those venues, rapping on the street. And then who were some of the? I guess like you said, us. So who were some of the people a part of the show? And then who were some of the guests? Um, part of the the venue shows, or you mean the TV show? Uh, yeah, the TV show. Oh, part of the TV show. It was uh, me, Master Fool, Power, Tracy Ellis Ross. 
Um, who else? Uh, Thurston was on the second season with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Most Def. You know, uh, who else was on there? I'm trying to think of. Oh, Heather McDonald, which is a very famous writer nowadays, too. Everybody kind of like spun off, so which is dope. Mike Ricker. Uh, it, that's what's dope about the show overall, though. Like, and then Invincible, uh, Sugar T. Uh, who else? Um, man. Yeah, Sugar, T. Sugar T was on Lyrics as well. Sugar T was on there. My boy Abnormal. Um, some of the guests: MC Light, Slick Rick, Snoop Dogg, The Brat. Uh, man, oh CeeLo. I mean, it, it it was it was just like crazy, man. It, it it was just crazy, man, to be there. Um, big boy, uh, crazy bone. I mean, it's it just uh-huh. it was all star, all star caliber of talent all the time. Yeah, because uh, I would say Sugar T is kind of like when I uh, we got a show called Just Two Black Brothers, me and my DJ, and she's always on the show, but we never asked her about that. I had no, yeah, I had no idea she was on. Cause you know, most of the time you think it's just mostly East Coast rappers on that on the show. I didn't know she was on that show. I gotta ask her about that. She was on the first season. She was on the first season oh. of Lounge. Yep, she did the first season. Um, and then uh, I can't forget Cobra Red. I can't forget Cobra Red. Uh, other Five Footers, I believe that was the group she was in. So yeah, it had a lot of what. It had West Coast. We had West Coast and East Coast on there. We had Cobra Red is West Coast too. Cobra Red. Yeah, we had we had a good mix. Beretta from Detroit. Can't forget there's a lot of a lot of dope artists. Yeah, I can say actually, so with Pole Politic and I'm make I'm working on turning into like a hip hop museum. Right. So, you know, I think like lyricist lounge is like shit, you know, say you going through the museum, you're gonna find like what's up, what's this? <laughs> so what do you, how do you, how do you how do you feel about that? Like basically you have something that like is etched in hip hop culture, history for Forever, really, if people really know what they should know. I'm I'm always, like, honored and not really understanding what it is. You know, I just kind of, like, make sure I keep going forward. You know, I, like, I remember when I was younger, I used to I used to not want to reminisce. Because I always, you know, people that used to reminisce so much were people that kind of, like, stopped. So that's all they had to talk about. So at one point, I just was not into reminiscing. Now that I'm older... I love reminiscing, man, because I'm like, yo, I can't believe we did that and we was doing this and doing this and that because, you know, I didn't really understand the value of those memories at that moment, you know? So I definitely, um, you know, you got to cherish those moments, you know, and, and just make sure whatever those moments are that you're making to to enjoy them. That's, that's kind of how my vibe is of looking at what I did then to now, just like understanding like, okay, you're doing something because when you're in it, you don't really know you're in it. You know, I'm like just rhyming, like all right. And somebody say, "Yo, it's gonna be a TV show." All right, yeah. All right. Come on, you know. So you know, be in the moment and enjoy the moments, man. Yeah. Definitely, you know. I would say I know that with like they, what they say, like uh, enjoy the roses, because I know like sometimes like even like say I'm talking to you. So instead of talking to you, I could be thinking like, who am I gonna be next? I should just be talking to you. Shit, I might I might die for this interview. Right, shit, right. I don't know. <laughs> so it's like, shit, why do, why do I just focus on you instead of... Um, somebody, they broke it down and they said when you focus on the past, you get depression, and when you focus on the future, you get anxiety. And I was like, hmm, okay. 
Yeah, yeah, that's kind of wild, man. So I just say focus on the moment at hand, but you know, celebrate your celebrate your past wins and and let that inspire you to have some fuel for the future. So that's kind of how, how I move. Man, you gotta put me on, man. Where you get that chair from? Oh man, uh, you got this the Mr. Big chair back here. This is probably from like uh like Staples. You know what I'm saying? Like something from like Staples or something like that, man. Yeah, it seemed like hella. It seemed like hella big. Like I got one. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You know, like have like that, that that uh, work workroom appeal. You know what I'm saying? Like this is this is where I, where I want to when I'm in my work zone. I want to have that vibe of like, you know, let the, my my throne it per se. You know what I'm saying? If you want to say that, but like just having that type of um, uh, just aesthetics around me in a way. So. All right. So I wanted you to take us back to your, um, you know, b- the beginnings. Let us know how how did you even get involved with hip hop? Like, what brought you to it? Really, my sister. You know, she's four years older than me, so she was able to get the records, of course, ahead of me to be able to play it. So then, when she's buying the records and she's playing them on the stereo, I'm falling in love with the Run DMC, the LL stuff, um, but mainly the Run DMC stuff. I was heavy with Here We Go, Here We Go, Top Billing. So her buying those uh, albums is what really got me into it. And then following her lead on it like that. Then I had my cousin Elliot as well. And uh, he was freestyle. He was like real, really known for freestyling. And um, so I kind of was just like taking a page from his book, watching him. And he was older than me too. So they're like four years older than me. So let's say, say if I was uh, 10, they 14, you know, if I'm, if I'm whatever, you know, eight, they still in the teens, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they up there, you know, if I'm eight, they 12, when close to their teens. So it's like, they were more in, in the groove of being outside and things of that nature. So as I'm going, growing older, I'm getting groomed. So I didn't even know that people wrote rhymes mm. for a while. So that's why, um, as far as freestyling, I was able to kind of like get a good grasp on that because I had no idea. Because remember when we were younger, there was never no behind the scenes. Right. So, and then rapping for us coming out, it was when you go outside, being in your elevator, banging on a wall, banging on a car hood. It was so instantaneous and spontaneous. There was never really nobody to say, yo, I just wrote this rhyme. Check it out. You wasn't probably, you was doing outside. You just was like coming off the top of the dome. Maybe you wrote something and you memorized it, but it was never no really showing the preparation. And I think nowadays that's what's kind of ill and dope about just like watching the game. Now you see everybody preparation. You in the studio with them. Yo, we right now live in the studio. I'm about to write this verse. So you now you understand that. So um, that's kind of what groomed me to be able to cherish the freestyle aspect of it because I was always having to be prepared because you went outside and like I said, beatbox might just happen. Walking to the car to the um, basketball court. You just know, man. You know, it's just so spontaneous. So that's kind of what molded that aspect of it. And um, yeah, so I, I take I take a lot of pride in in seeing the differences now, but also just learning to also change with it too. And as I got older and I started finding out people's writing, I was like, oh, they write rhymes. Oh, this is crazy. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's kind of kind of some of the evolution that I was able to just witness and adjust to. And I will say, speaking of change, was you always uh, Wordsworth or was you like, did you go through different names? Man, I was the principal because we had the new school. 
<laughs> so I was part of the new school. So I said, all right, I'm going to be the principal. So that way I could, you know, control everything like that. If I'm the principal, because it's a new school. So, yeah, that was my name right there. That was it. It was the principal. And then after the principal, it became Wordsworth. And that was it right there. So I've always been Wordsworth from since uh, since high school. So that's, yeah, that's always been what it was. Yeah, and then I see, uh, aside from the music, man, I see a lot of uh, education. Yeah, yeah. Like three, four schools look like. Yeah, man, I just got some real good news today about something I'm going to be doing. Um, but, yeah, so I, I went to SUNY O. Westbury, graduated, got a B.A. in language and literature. Then I got a master's in secondary education at Grand Canyon University. And then I got a master's in music business from the University of Miami. So um, and then I'm a teacher. So now I teach I teach TV, film and music production. And then, um, you know. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's just kind of been dope because when you're young and you want to do music and rap, all you dream of is knowing that you're gonna you want to be a rapper, right? So I was able to do a lot of this rap stuff, rap stuff, and then all of a sudden it took a turn, and then it it actually took a turn to bless me with something better. So to give you an example about that is uh, how I became a teacher was I saw my daughter failing some classes and I went to school mad irate about it. So I go see the sub. The sub is a dude. I'm like, yo, what's up with the classes? Like the kids failing. He he was like, yo, I'm a veterinarian. I don't really know what I'm doing up in here. So he told me that. I'm, I'm heated. I go downstairs. I wait about 45 minutes for the principal. So I told her, all right, y'all wilding up in here. Yeah, I ain't got no subs. They said there's no adequate subs. I said, all right, well, I'm going to register down at the district and become my daughter teacher. You know what I'm saying? So I went down to the district. I'm dropping the papers off. And then the lady came out. White lady caught me. And I'll never forget this. This was the illest question, biggest question of my life. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm here to do subs. She said, you need not to be a sub. You need to be here because there's a lot of black kids and minority kids that need a, a black male in the school. And right there... Within three seconds, that was it. I just changed my whole path. And um, because I felt like if I just said, nah, I'm good, you know, I got music, this and that, that would have just been selfish. I think I did enough for myself, but also I would I would hold that in my heart that if anything uh was to occur or uh their feeling in the in the race or these young black kids or minorities in general, kids overall are failing, I I had a chance to fix that. So you know, it took me about three seconds, maybe less than that, to say, all right. And and that right there, I changed. And then I've been teaching for six years. Um, and then um, it's been huge. So I go teaching. I wind up teaching. I didn't get to teach my daughter's class, but I was so adamant about it. I was there every day. And then I got her out of that class. And then I would be up there every day at lunch for her, just explaining to her why I had to get out of there. You know what I'm saying? Um Cause she would cry, but I bring a McDonald's every day. You know, I was sitting there at the McDonald's. I, you know, at McDonald's, clear everything up, come through. Dad, come through at the McDonald's. Um, so I begin uh, teaching and whatnot. So I teach reading. I go in teaching reading my first year because I'm just like I just gotta get in the building, do what I can do, impact the game. Um, so within my second year, uh, we wind up applying for a grant. And um, 
we got the grant. The school get wins this huge amount of money. They knew what I already did, man, and they was like, yo, what do you need to change this whole room and make this add these programs? And they let me design the whole entire room, and I wrote the whole curriculum. So I created the whole curriculum for TV, film, and music production. So, so you Joe Clark. I'm Joe Clark, I guess, man. <laughs> that's <laughs> nah, that's dope right there, man. So that's that's that's, that's 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 where I'm at with it. And um, so, you know, I haven't toured overseas since that. Really, I've just been doing like spa days. I do spa days. I'll fly out of town, do a show on the weekend, come back, fly out of town. You know, during the summers, I'm off. I do some stuff like that. But um, yeah, man, that's been the biggest blessing because like since doing that, then I went back into school, got the masters and then all this other stuff. And now I'm doing some other stuff that's coming up and I would have never known that path. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it was a blessing in disguise. All the rap stuff, actually wind up helping towards the education and merging now. So now they're all merged together. I I can't fathom that before. I just thought I was going to be a rapper rapping for a long time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I feel you on that because I got a uh, MBA and then I got a master's in psychology. Right. So, yeah, I like the uh, school thing too, man. I would say, how you feel about the, uh, far as like uh, with the vaccine and everything now, how like, they're trying to make the students to get it now. You think that's that's the way to go? Um, I don't think you, you should force anybody with it. You know what I'm saying? I'm kind of like, whatever you do, you do your thing, man. You do you, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I have no uh no no issues with what you do with it. My my thought is like I know when it was at high alert, I was not having nobody at the crib, and I know it was vice versa, whether you was taking vaccine or not, everybody was on shutting down the crib. You know what I'm saying? That didn't matter what you took, you know what I'm saying? That way everybody shut down their crib. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's just, like, in, at, at my school, it's, like, optional. You don't got to wear a mask if you don't want to for the kids. They could, you can opt out. I don't got, I got no problems with that. I got no problems with either or, man. That's how I roll with it, you know. I'm either I'm I'm masked up all day in the school with it, you know what I'm saying? I'm vaccinated, so you know I just roll with whatever my whatever my decision is. I feel best for my family, and everybody got to do theirs. So that's kind of how I roll with it, man. I I know people that's not vaccinated, and I don't I don't get into no. There's no back and forth about it. We ain't even talking about that. You know what oh. I'm saying? It's just just it is what it is. Mm. Then I know, like I was talking to you earlier, I had uh, JF on the show. I know y'all got a new project that's come out, Undivided Attention. Right. So how y'all end up hooking up and coming out with that? Me and JF, well, he we met 20 years ago. Hmm. Yeah, 20 years ago. Uh, so this is how I met Mass Ace. So JF was doing, JF and Punch met, Punchline met, and then presented doing an EP with me and Punch. And at the same time, Ace was doing a single for Strict for JF. And JF played me and Punch to Ace. And then Ace was like, yeah, those dudes are dope. I wouldn't mind having them on disposable arts. And that's how we met Ace. So I've known him since then. And then JF, we all went on tour overseas. And JF was our tour DJ too, me and Punch DJ. Um, So that relationship has been there for all these years, for years. And then now he's been like having his fuel and fire for his turntableism and putting music out. 
Um, you know, I was on the last project, believe it or not, I did the song Jay DePina produced on there. And he was like, yo, why don't we do a project full length together? I was like, yo, let's do it. So, you know, check out some Jay DePina tracks. Got one from my boy Donnell Smokes, who I did an album with a few years ago. And one from Kells with the Heat, and that was it. So it was just it was just kind of easy to do, just based on the fact of we already had a report. And um, with him, I, I see a new like uh, I see a new fire lit in him to put out music, man. Like I I think I think even more so now because it's easy to put out music in a way. You know what I'm saying? Like years ago, you running around town trying to hunt somebody down for distribution and all that stuff. Now it's like, yo, we doing it because we enjoy it. We put it out, people dig it. And that's it. I was just gonna ask you, that's what motivates you. So is that what motivates you? Uh, what really motivates me is this: I'm competitive overall. With just like, I think the more and more people get to hear, they get to understand, you know, my my passion for it. Um, and then I just like making good music and songs that I think are. I've been trying to get to that point that you get that Curtis Mayfield feel. Hmm. You know, I hear uh, that era is just so genuine because of the the way the instruments were live. You know, so it's a different feel than maybe the computers and all that. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, Curtis Mayfield hits you on a, cell, a cellular level. Man, yeah, I feel it different than listening to you. Oh, you feel it, feel it. <laughs> so. Yeah. I'm telling you, the Mayfield, the Nina Simone's, all of that eras, all that that era, that Al Green era, when that when that music come on, your soul shifts. Yeah, you feel that it's something different. There's not yeah. many rap records that make me feel like that. You know, I would say, man, why listen to uh, it's like I listen to Barry White. Man, I hear that shit like I feel that shit like in my neck, my chakras. When they say chakras, Yo, it's a difference. It's a difference. And that symphony, man, that shit's so cold. That damn symphony he had. Oh, man, that shit's cold. Yeah, man. It's a difference. You know, it's a difference. When I hear uh, People Darker Than Blue by Curtis Mayfield, and I, man, it's, it's just different music. I ride with that. When I drive with Curtis Mayfield, my, you know, I'm driving and I, I feel like I'm in slow motion. Oh. Uh, because I'm, I'm yeah. observing. I'm observing everything, got me in that vibe of just observing everything going on because it gives you like that cinematic feel listening to what's going on because what he's saying is matching what's outside when you're watching. It's just, it's a lot to it. So um, I'm just in the search of that. So I think like I make music that feels that feels good. Um, and then I'm sure there are songs that hit people like that. People tell me there's certain songs that hit people like that. So I make songs that I feel hit like that in different arenas. I wouldn't say they um, encapsulate the whole Curtis Mayfield feel yet. I don't know if I, if that's where it is, but I do feel like I'm making music that is is soul shifting in certain arenas. But um, that's my drive is just trying to make soul shifting music. And I said, I think I saw you use um, you you work you got a book you put a book out. I got a book. Yeah, I got a book and it came out last year. It made it top 10 uh, poetry releases on Amazon. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's called What Words. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what, what Words Are Worth, Volume 1. It's on Amazon. And um, I got another book coming out in February. Got another book coming out in February. 
Um, and yeah, that one is basically like if you were able to ask Shakespeare what he meant when he wrote a rhyme. So yeah. a lot of these, a lot of artists, you, you see a lot of books breaking down other artists' rhymes and stuff like that. So you see like, but you don't necessarily get it directly from the artist. So it's me breaking down my album, New Beginning. And you get to um, hear why I wrote every four bars. I break down every four bars throughout the whole album. So. Okay. Is it just, uh, is it written or did you make an audio book too? I did an audio book. That audio book is on Bandcamp. Okay, cool. I actually have the audio version. Yeah, I have the audio version on Bandcamp, and then I'm going to work on getting it on Audible soon, too, as well. Yeah, Audible just got me for one for you, man. Shit. I, be, I got the yearly subscription, so I'll be forgetting, but it'd be worth it. Everybody <laughs> invest me, make sure I'm reading and shit, but I like the audio books, you know, especially if you're driving and shit. It's not oh, good. yeah. I mean, what's ill, too, with the audio version, the audio book version is I read, it's me, of course, reading it. That's one. Uh, I even got Master Ace did the the um you know the the preface in the in the beginning and everything and uh he's he I got him his vocals reading saying his part and then every rhyme in there I'm redoing it live over so you pretty much get the whole acapella of everything because it's yeah. me redoing the whole all the rhymes over. So yeah, it's it's dope. I think it's dope for people to hear. Like I said, it's it's not something you would hear from anybody else because nobody else has done a book that way. Yeah, have you listened to the uh, Jay Prince, Artist Science and Respect, his audio book? I haven't heard that yet. Yeah, it was cool. I liked it because he went, I don't know, all my audio books, I like them. If it's, if it's the person like on a source name, if he write a book and he's reading it most right. of them, I like that more than somebody else reading it. So I always respect them. Like, I know that really took time. Oh. They, they reading it. Shit, they reading it to us. <laughs> so I know oh. that took time. Crazy. It take time, man. It take, it took me about like, Maybe like six days to do it, man. Because yeah. you, you know, one, your voice gets tired. Two, you mess up reading. So now you got to go back. Then you got to go listen back and be like, ah, I said that word wrong. So now you're trying to go fix one sentence in the middle of another sentence. It's no joke. It's no joke. So I'm saying, so what's up? What's next for you right now? What you working on? Uh, the next, the next, uh, First is Undivided Attention. That's out right now. Everybody go get the Undivided Attention. It's on CD on FatBeast.com. The next thing that I'm working on will be uh, my album, my solo album. Actually comes out February. That's done and handed in. That's produced by Kells with the Heat. Uh, and then I got another book dropping that's uh, it's really kind of like I'm trying to aim for that Pixar world with it. It's kind of like that vibe. Um, and then I got some other special things going coming up with a university that I'm working on. So I got some stuff that I'm I'm extremely happy about. I got the news today about it, the paperwork for it and stuff like that. So I'm extremely happy about that. Um, and then something you can check out right now is go to your Netflix, go to Peabody and Sherman season one, episode two, and see me as a cartoon, me and Prince Paul mm -hmm. rapping. So you can see us, you can see us on there right now as a cartoon rapping, um, which I think is always that's always incredible, man, for me, man. Um, me and Prince Paul have been doing these kids cartoon things for for a long time. We did SpongeBob movie, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. We did uh, Dexter's Laboratory hip hop CD. We did a um, thing called the Dino Five. So. Uh, 
the Peabody Sherman one is just real special because it's there every day. So there's always somebody new hitting me up like on, on Instagram. Yo, I'm watching TV, my kid watching TV and Wordsworth come on TV. And um, you know, that's that's incredible and exciting. Um so uh and then like just getting music and movies. So, you know, had music and power, Saint St. Judy, if you watch the movie Saint Judy, uh Criminal Minds. I mean, there's just all these other avenues that I'm I'm really exploring other than the music. So I love doing the music, but at the end of the day, the music is more becoming complimentary to me being an author and all these other things. Yeah, I, said, I hear multiple streams of income. Yeah, I just, you know, I just been on some vibe of just like making as many IPs as I can, you know? So I'm just That's creating- Intellectual properties, right? Yeah, as many as I can. So like- I got other books that I'm working on. And because, you know, I'm older, so I realize where I'm at, where I am with what I do. So I, I see where I'm going with it from a level of being a spokesperson, being on these panels, getting, you know, maybe, you know, at some point getting hired to maybe read a passage out of my book to open up a store. So I'm not getting hired necessarily to come just there and perform, but I'm getting hired um to just probably speak about matters and and my understanding of what's going on so i, I kind of you don't have to hire me to come on the stage i you know you can hire me to come sit there or on at a panel you can hire me to to do a lot of other things that just kind of show um but they all are rooted in the fact that it's hip-hop based because it's about music it's about life it's about my perspective from how i see things so that's the way it is right now. You know, it's just really trying to come with a whole bunch of different ways to, uh, you know, as I get old, it just, it just is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was going to say, too, because uh, I got, like, two little kids. Like, they both under under two years old. So I be, we be trying to make sure, like, we, like, showing, like, like, even with television, like, we're showing them, like, more, like, black cartoons and stuff like that. So we know there's not a lot of stuff out there. So that's... um. I know that's a market right there because it's like with cartoons or even like children books or even uh, yeah. toys. They don't make a lot of stuff for black people. <laughs> I, I was I was always wondering why like years ago, I was like, man, why isn't there a black cartoon in the morning on BET? Always, right. always it's automatic, huh? You know, because when we was younger, I remember coming home and waking up every Saturday trying to see Transformers and all these cartoons on a Saturday. And I'm sure there were kids still doing that for years, earlier, past years or whatever. Now it's kind of different. But still, you wake up to a cartoon that you could watch. It's the Saturday cartoons was a big deal. And I, BT never had the Saturday Black. They could have did all Black cartoons in the morning. Yeah. And I was like, why they never did that? You know. Um, but I think that's kind of where we kind of got to look at it. What? Whatever we complain about, that's I'm very big on that. Like whatever I complain about, I'm on some uh, filling that void with something that I can come up with, or getting or getting to a place or talking to somebody in that arena to make the change. So I'm always like, you know, like me and you talk about it now. I'm like, okay, that's in my mind. When I run into somebody, I'm like, <laughs> I'm be like, I remember pose at the black cartoon stuff, and then I'm gonna bring it up. So. It's just keeping it in mind so when we in those places to network with it, you know? You know, I would say, like, <clears throat> for, like your stuff as an artist and even a teacher, like, what would you want to be known for? 
Like, as far as the people, what would you want them to know you for? Uh, I think the main thing is being a dad, you know. I want to be known as a dad first because, you know, whatever my kids contribute to the world is based on kind of what I, what I did. So dad, then, you know, husband, that's big too. Then, then, then I would want to be author, then rapper, you know, or MC, you know what I'm saying? Rapper, MC, then maybe actor after that. And, and it's really because the author aspect of it, I find to be such a accomplishment over me writing rhymes. Like I've been writing rhymes for years, but people that write thousands of verses have a hard time to put a book out. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I could write hundreds of rhymes. I've been writing thousands of verses. So that accomplishment to put a book out is is just one of like it, it makes me to me it goes further than me being an MC. So overall, I'm a writer, man. First and foremost, I'm a writer overall. Like, I can write everything. I can write TV shows. I can write R&B. I can write everything. I, I can write everything. You know, I get hired to write everything. So that's the main thing is just being a writer is where where I look at if I had to had to think about it in that order though. But in that order, that's my order of importance. It's just kind of that legacy of that. Man, what do you like about being a father? You know, every day it's like emotional, man, because you can't even believe it's like seeing flowers grow because you don't even see it. So incremental, you know, so incremental. But then when you start noticing the flower blossoming now, it's like this big. You're like, yo, that's crazy. So it's every every day it's like watching the flowers grow. Yeah, what are some tips would you give to fathers? Be honest and just talk to them and bring up topics with them. Bring up topics with them. Don't don't let them just like don't wait for them to bring up every topic. If you feel it's on your mind, just tell them what it is. Um and just be honest. That's how I feel. Like, yo, don't do that because this is the outcome. Don't just say don't do that. Like give them the outcome. You know, like that's that's what I'm big on. Like, don't do that because if you do that, you're gonna have this is what's gonna happen right here down the line. So up uh, if you don't know nobody that don't bring that you know because this and that this is what's gonna happen next so just making sure you give the outcome as opposed to just saying tell them not to do something um and then just being mad supportive whatever it is you know uh whatever they try to do i just try to support it and giving the pros and cons of everything but i think really having a conversation man i think you really got to just make sure whatever's on your mind about it if they're going to do something, you say it. Say, yo, don't do that. Or, yeah, that's a good idea. And explain why. And um, that's a big thing that I see a lot about parents and kids is that they don't explain the why. Yeah, it's because I said so. That's what they be saying. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. You know, it's the why is, the why is heavy, man. I'm going to tell you one day I went. It'll be five whys. <laughs> In business, it's five whys. Yeah, why, why man, is like. One day I went home, I went back home, uh, Brooklyn. I see my boy and I explained him. Some some conversation kind of came into this, whatever the case. And he said one day he was arguing with his son because he didn't do well in the basketball game. He walking home with his son and they get in an argument like, yo, why you ain't score? This and this and that, you know. And his son said, yo, because he said it was crushing to him. He said, 
because you always told me to play basketball, told me, but you never came out to the park and showed me how or why. Screamed on his dad and let him know. He said, yo, that crushed him because he just realized, like, he, you know, when you got athletes and you got, if you raise athletes, you're pushing them, pushing them, pushing them. You might be like, yo, you need you should have made that shot, but you ain't out there in the gym with him probably. You just uh, assuming, right. And um, when he told me that, I, I felt him heavy because he said I crushed him, that his son, he's out there mad at him at losing the game, but he never took him to the park to train him to help him or showed him why. And the, and the kid is dwelling on that psychologically, like, yeah, you're yelling at me about something you ain't even try to help me with. So that's kind of the big thing I would say, man. Just whatever you're going to tell them, just give them the why, you know, yeah. or, or the how, the why and how. And then uh, what are some relationship tips? Man, just know the dudes, we be messing up a lot, yo. <laughs> just be real with yourself, man. Be real with yourself as a guy, man. Like, we so caught up in the hustle that we 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 miss sometimes the time and, and, and the little things, you know? So just be real with yourself. Like, you know when you're falling off. You just got to be real with yourself and catch yourself falling. Um, I've been my wife, I want, I want to say, if I'm right with it, 25 years. Damn. What's up? Yeah, we've been together that long. So um, we've been married 16 out of that 25. 26 or about 26 years yeah um but it's really just you know listening and and listening without without um without um judgment listening without jumping the gun you know what i'm saying like you know sometimes you listening but you really already got your answer you stuck in your way so you ain't really trying here you just listening and listen you listening just to kind of appease the situation and keep it moving but you kind of ain't listening um i just say you know let everybody talk you say what you say let them talk when they finish you say what you say yelling ain't gonna get you nowhere you know what i'm saying back and forth so communication um and uh, like I said, man, dudes, man, we got to, you know, we know how we are, man. We just got to be real with ourselves in the relationship. And, and, and that's it, man. And if you if you keep it real with yourself, with how are you treating your lady, you'll be all right. You know, and, and that's, that's, that's how I feel. Like, yo, if you if you doing everything you're supposed to be doing, you're going to be fine. And you because, you know. See, you don't mean to go deep with it, but it's real though. When you a dude, a lot of dudes live off of pride and ego. That's the main thing, pride, right? We 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 can live off pride because we're supposed to be, you know, the breadwinners and all this. There's a lot of that that comes with it, pride. So it's like you gotta you gotta make sure um, that you have pride, but willing to also sacrifice your pride to do whatever it is to take care of something. Take care of something, you know. Um, for the artists and rappers and all that type of stuff out there, dudes that's out there, they don't want to go get a regular job because you got this dream. Nah, man, you better go work at wherever you got to work at. You know, get rid of that pride, man. Do do whatever you got to do, man. Forget pride, man. Forget pride. Forget pride. <laughs> you hungry. Pride ain't going to do that. Pride, man. Don't have pride, man. Don't have pride. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. Hmm. 
And what is your definition of success? Man, I would say uh, home ownership uh, and then teaching my kids about home ownership and, and credit and knowing how to save money and me being able to have them save their money and not have to use their money when they work and stuff. They don't got to pay for nothing with me. I don't, I don't, nothing to save your money. Cause then that way at that age and stage that they are, they'll have way more money than I did at that age, but now they know what to do with it. You know what I'm saying? So it's just really, that's my, I think this, that's what I have as a success. It's just like ownership, uh, telling them about publishing. So that way, you know, anything down the line, all my stuff goes to them, all the money goes to them and knowing not to ever sell my publishing. Don't let nobody take, you know, like stuff like that. Knowing these things that actually last generationally and, and that's success for me, you know, you know, they have in a house when, you know, when it's all said and done, they can chill and then live out their dreams knowing that they got a roof over their head. You know, a lot of us come up with this pressure of paying the rent and hustling for the mortgage and this and that. And some of us still do it. I mean, I work every day to pay mortgage still, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. But like the 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 pressures of it, you know, you want to alleviate that from the kids and generationally, right? So one of the main things I always say is like, I got I want to have grandpa's cabin, you know, because a lot of other families have that. The white rich families might have that. You know, so I, I just want to have a grandpa's cabin, man. And I, um, you know, like a lot of rich families that are well off always have a cabin in the woods that so, they go on vacation. You know, so what I'm about like we got this shit out here called Big Bear. Yeah, you know, you know what they do too? They only be there for like what twice a year, and when they ain't there, they rent that shit out the rest of the year. That's what I'm saying. So like a lot of. A lot of people generationally have a generational wealth and things like that, have these cabins and homes and stuff like that. So it's just like, I wanted to have grandpa's cabin, you know, so that way they can always go away two, two weeks out of the year and then the other family members could use that same right. spot. You know what I'm saying? So that's success to me, man, is the... Is the no worries about roof over your head and go do your dreams and know you got somewhere to come back home to. Yeah, I will say, why is home ownership important? Yeah, because once you own a home, you, the taxes, you can come up with the tax money probably just working a part-time job for like two months. You know what I'm saying? You could really just kind of like, you got, you know, you got to save money because, uh, you know, in case some issues with the roof and little things like that. But like overall, once you own the crib, the taxes on it, you can pay that off for just maybe your hustle, right? So if you if you get the crib and you got the crib paid off and you want to do music full time, you can do the music probably full time and be straight because you just got to pay the taxes, which aren't uh, are just like annual. Or you can put money aside in escrow and all these other ways of just saving your money up to take care of a lot of that stuff, you know. Um, so that alleviates a lot of that stress in which when you look at a lot of people that are, I would say, successful in some manner generationally, they don't have a, they don't have a worry about a roof over there. They pass it down to the kids. The kids got their house already. They got this place. You know, so the less stress that you have 
with, with having a roof over your head allows you to kind of uh, spend more time in those arenas of your creativity and pursuing some other goals. So, um, yeah, that home ownership situation is, is very, very key. It's very key. It's very key to like to going forward as a community. So that's the way you, you're teaching the students at the school? Oh, we talk real stuff, man. I'll I, I be like, yo, we're going to pause for the cause, man. When I hear stuff, <laughs> when I hear them talking about stuff, they don't really have no idea. You know, today I did a pause for the cause because uh, I take I take the kids on a trip to the Apple store. I don't know if people know that. You can take the Apple store as trips. So uh, I, I work at a school. It's a Title I school. It's a, ma- a majority minorities and uh, Hispanic at like 60% or whatever. A lot of the kids, low income, they don't really get to venture out. You get what I'm saying? You know, they kind of, the block is the world to a lot of them. So it was it's dope when I, I took a group of kids to the Apple store, never been to the Apple store. They know expensive, how expensive the products are though. They know like if you got an Apple computer, they look they look in awe at it, right? So it was um, today, one of, them, one of the kids, Actually, the kids was like, yo, we going field trip? I said, yo, I'm going to try to take you to the Apple store. How many of y'all never been to the Apple store? A lot of hands went up. We talking about eighth graders, seventh graders, and sixth grade. They all sit in one room with me. And when I teach them, it's all all the grades mixed. So you got eighth graders and kids like raising their hand. One kid goes, y'all never been to the Apple store? I said, yo, see? I said, oh, here we go. I'm give you perspective, man. So I had to let them know. I was like, Yo, you now you do know that all the kids that raised their hands have been places you never been. So, so, so you you you're you're saying that like it should be easy for them to get there and places like that, but everybody in here has been somewhere or a different place that you never been, right. and he didn't, he didn't think about it like that. So, um, I do a lot of those like lessons, and I just like I said, I do a pause for the cause. Whenever I hear a conversation about something when it's kids that don't understand um, empathy. You know, it's hard for them kids, for kids to understand empathy at such an early age sometimes. They know what sympathy is. They can be, have sympathy, but they lack the empathy because they don't really know how it is in somebody else's shoes until a perspective is given for them. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it, just trying to always show them uh, how to empathize with each other. Yeah, I, I think I got that shit too much, man, because sometimes, like, Say if I watch that Make a Wish with the kids, man, I'll be about to cry and all that shit. I'll be like, damn. <laughs> so I'll be like, I think I got too much empathy. I, I'll be feeling people like sometimes say if I'm watching, you know how people hurt their leg and shit. I yeah. feel that shit like I hurt my leg. I'm like, oh shit. Uh, yeah. Hurt this shit, like, damn, I can feel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah because feel. yeah, em- yeah, empathy. If if somebody had to ask me what's one thing to study in school, like I wish kids can empathize. Because that's where all the distance come from. Like, oh, you got on the rejects, you got on this and that, because they, they don't have no idea how it feels for their family. They probably couldn't afford that for that kid. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's a lot of that. That empathy is, empathy is one of the biggest words um, that that's missing in the vocabulary. And kids don't know what it means. I asked them. I said, yeah, I know what empathy means. They didn't know what it means. So explaining it to them, I think it's very big to explain it. Then what advice would you give to new artists? Um, just try everything. Try every style. You know, don't don't 
Don't stay confined. I mean, it was a time when you, if you tried a new style, everybody hated on you. Mm-hmm. you know, like you, you, you give people one way, and then everybody was like, as soon as you try something new, everybody's like, nah, I ain't really feeling that. He doing this now, or she doing this now. So try everything. That's what I would suggest. Try everything, whatever sound you like, try it. So what new MCs you be liking? You listen to? Oh, you know I like Griselda. Cause you know they be saying some crazy stuff, um, man. You know Benny, Benny and Conway and them, man. Love, love listening to them. Um, man, who else am I listening to? Uh, yeah, I'll be posting people that I that I like. I think that is a kid named Jay Ski. I think he down with Griselda too. Yeah. A lot of the Griselda acts, like they they get they got people that got bars, you know. So I would I would say I stay in that I stay in that realm of people that I listen to that's gonna make me want to write. So what do you think about Lil Nas X? Oh my, I mean it don't bother me. I don't listen to Lil Nas X, so it's he doing what he do. I I was like the other day I saw now it's like uh, they got him working back with Elmo again. So I'm like hell. So because it's like. Like you know, when he first came out with that old time role, he wasn't pushing that gay stuff. That, that yeah. Now he's like pushing it hard, hard. Like I even see Uber commercials with yeah. Elton John. So I'm like, damn. But now, so I'm like, man, what they got to do doing? I, was like, I, I don't even know. I think like for for him, like how you say when he first came out with the old time country road, it wasn't really that much notoriety about it, if not any at all. I think being so young can be manipulated in some ways maybe also as well because it's the industry which mm-hmm. they're trying to make money so they're going to have you do outlandish stuff and then depending on his mindset he's going to exacerbate it like yo i'm going yo because you know still young i mean that's a young kid if i'm right that's a young kid so yeah. you in the industry you're going to wild out with it and then maybe years now down the line get older and be like yeah i was wilding back then i ain't really you know <laughs> you know how many stories we heard of that anyway and it ain't got nothing to do with Lil Nas X. Just a regular artist that was like, switched their style or did something crazy. And they'd be like, yeah, I was tripping back then. So I don't really, I don't listen to the, to his music like that. Of course, I know the old town country road, but I don't, I don't, it don't, it don't bother me enough to be paying attention to that. I just pay attention to what's going to inspire me to make music. Did you have to go through that? What you were saying? Cause you were saying like, they be trying to like industry pressure or anything or you had to go through that? I went through I went through that for sure when I first started rapping on the basis of people thought I was into this just like punchline rapping thing, battle backpack rapper, right? It wasn't, but I knew when I did my first album, Mirror Music, I just made sure that I became more of a storyteller. So I intentionally started writing more story rhymes. I was so story driven, and then I was able to shake that 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 tag off me and, and I became the storyteller, which and which keeps me here, which is why I'm here to this day is because people identify me with storytelling. And if you can tell a story, stories is the the core and essence of making a song. Mm-hmm. So, but I definitely was aware of that and just was like, I gotta make an adjustment on this. So I, at one point I just, I actually planned how to get out of that joint, out of that whole vibe. 
So anytime I used to do features, no matter what it was, I always would do a verse telling a story. I stopped doing like if you have if you put me pay me to get on a song and everybody battle rhyming, I'll come on and be like, one day Johnny was rhyming. <laughs> you said I said I just but I but it worked. It worked. I'm telling you, it worked because. Then, then people were just like, yo, that story you told, yo, that story you told on that song, yo, that story, yo, when you story, and then that's what it became. And then, uh, and then when I, when you start reading, if you read any reviews about any of my albums from my first one to now, to this day, everybody goes, it's usually in there, one of the best storytellers. But I knew what was going on and I just adjusted to it, you know what I'm saying? So I, 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 it was, it was there. It was there. And, but the only way I got out of it was being aware and then switching. That's what I'm saying. So if you're an artist, you got to pay attention and just, you know, try everything. And then you figure it out. I mean, what would you like to say to your fans and supporters? Uh, I appreciate y'all growing with me, man. You know, that's why I put out a book. Some of us ain't listening to music no more. Some people got kids. Some of us ain't. I keep I, I'm. I keeps it 1,000, man. I'm, you know what I'm saying? I keep it with 1,000, man. Some of us ain't trying to hear no music from artists we grew up with like that. We don't even know what's going on with them sometimes. We so busy with our life, trying to maintain our lives. Just maintenance. A lot, I mean, daily maintenance of our lives. Family, kids, this and this and that. You'd be lucky to bump into a video of an artist you used to listen to. So I, I just really appreciate them supporting me um, man, when the book dropped, it was a big deal. Like, if you ever check my my Instagram, when the book dropped, yo, mad people was buying the book, and I was reposting pictures when they was doing poses with it. They was setting up their book, looking nice on the table. It it just became its own thing. But I realized that was my audience. They grew with me, and now we're into books. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. We listen to music, but we're kind of so chill and relaxing. When we wind down, we just want to wind down and still enjoy it in a different format sometimes. Like you said, the audible. So now they're listening to the audibles and we're doing it that way, you know. So it's really adjusting for them. And I appreciate them supporting the books, still listening to the music as well, but also just evolving with me and, and checking out the things I'm doing, you know. So all these other avenues, they just evolve with me. And that's why I was saying earlier, like I'm always thinking about how to evolve with them too. So when I see them at a panel, whether I got the gray beard later on, they got their gray beards and gray hairs, we shaking based on the fact that we at this panel or at this new conference or whatever going on, they growing with me and I'm growing with them, understanding I'm able to provide in that same arena that we all grew up in at a different age and stage. So, you know, I, I shout out the fans and everybody for supporting me, just basically following the the evolution. Yeah, I was reading this book. I want to say it was like uh, Dale, uh, the one that Dale Nightingale, but I want to say he was saying that every successful family has a library in their house. Yeah. It was even another book I read. It was by a rabbi. And he was talking about the Jews. And he was saying the same thing. He's like, if you don't got you don't got no library in your house, like yo, like you so wild. So wild. I, I just got a book in the mail, man. I, I should see if I can get somebody to bring this book right now. I just reordered this book though. Cause I had it and then I left it in New York. Man, 
uh, Ego Trips Book of Rap List. I just reordered that and I just got it today. That book is like crazy. It has so many ill facts about hip hop in it. It's mm. ridiculous. Yeah, um, oh man, it's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, it goes for sale for some people sell for like $80, $90. It's such a rarity. I was able to find one for like a pre-owned one though for like $12, I think I paid for it. But some of them are going for like $80, $90. Um, so it's crazy. E Please. Ego. Ego Trips Book of Rap List is something I'm right now. They got some used ones. I just bought one of these used ones. Yeah, Ego Trip Book of Rap List. It'll have it'll blow your mind. It tells you about like who has like ill list of like uh who wrote rhymes for who, whose verse was cut off of this song. It's crazy. The list, the book, the list they have in it is ill. Um, it's the one with the. Uh, it's only one, right? I see one from 1999. Yeah, Elliot Wilson wrote it. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Oh, I got to get that. You put me it's on right now. Okay. Yeah, it's crazy. So I just got in the mail because, like I said, you can see some used ones. If you find one, it's like some some of them at like $80. It's such a hard book to find in some regards. Um, I found one for $13. You say $13. 13 yep. Get that one. Um, Jay-Z Decoded. That's a book that I read. I actually got the LeBron, The Return of the King book that I've been reading recently, too. Mm. I love. I love the the things that LeBron has done and, and inspired the community with the school and stuff like that. And like going back home and saying, and saying like, I'm gonna go back home and win a chip. That's super hard to do. So just like kind of the, to, to take those goals and, and just like say, you're going to go back and do something. I'm inspired by that. Um, I got, um, what's the Babylon book I got? My boy sent it to me. Uh, I got the Babylon book about learning how to like, make money and spend money and save money it's ill mm -hmm. uh is it the king of babylon something like that like my boy just gave it to me crazy book uh some other books i got man then i just got i got a whole bunch of other books you know i got some industry books um but yeah those are those are some of the books that i read man but definitely i get inspired like stuff like that like the return of the king you know i'm I, I'm inspired by LeBron's journey, man. I'm inspired by that. That school he got opened up and paying for every kid that make it to college from come on, man. That's crazy. That's the crazy stuff I'm into. That shit was crazy because uh, you know, he ended up getting vaccinated, but then they were trying to get on talking about some um, oh, he should have uh told the lead the other players to get it too. Yeah. You gotta do that shit. They be trying to make him do everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They want him to say everything earlier and all this and that, man. I, yeah, that shit crazy. I stay out of that. I just want some vibe of like he opening up schools and scholarships for every kid that graduates goes to college from that school. If you started that school and you end up going to college, it's paid for. You know what I'm saying? Like. Man, it's a lot of unbelievable stuff I get inspired by, man. Just like, you know, aspire, aspire, inspired to aspire, you know? Yeah, I might have to move out there so I can get, get my kids in that school. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm going to move to Akron real quick, shit. Yeah, man. I, and then, like, looking at that school. I remember I, I applied to that school, too. And they, and they was digging the situation, but I was just like, that's a, that's a whole new move, you know, if I was to go – go that route but i definitely applied to that school i was i was so uh taken away by it, you know like man this is crazy um so 
All right, man. I want to say thanks for coming through politicking with me. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's a great time. Just kicking in about everything and anything. That's what's up. You got anything you want to leave your um like social media and everything? Any shout yeah, out? Yeah, hold on a second. I got this book real quick. Yeah, make sure y'all, you know, get the book. This is the book right here. Well, Words are Worth, Volume One. You get, they got the picture of me on the back, my little graduation situation there. Um, you know, so check this out. What Words Worth, Volume One. Um, man, I got stories in there too, man. Pictures from when I went to South Africa and everything like that. It's, it's a well worth it book. And, um, yeah, Wordsworth, B-K-L-Y-N on Instagram, Wordsworth underscore EMC on Twitter, and I'm on Facebook as well. You go to my uh, fan page, Wordsworth, and you can hit me up on there. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I appreciate it, you know, all these things. Just, just make sure whatever you're doing out there, stay inspired. And, you know, we all got pride, but you do what you got to do until you get